Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. Listen. Welcome to the Shoot the Shiitake podcast with me, Father Leo Padalinghug, a Catholic priest on a mission to bring people of all different backgrounds together to learn to love and accept one another. Even if we disagree, we've got to be willing to listen to each other as God does with us and as God intends for us to do. And so this isn't a podcast about the deep or technical or even theological things of the Catholic faith, but more importantly, how to make these a realistic and practical part of our life simply by listening to each other. And this week, I have the opportunity to listen to Father Scott Nolan, the pastor of St. Stephen Parish in Grad Rapids, Michigan, where he, as a young priest and a young pastor, denied communion to a judge parishioner because she's very vocal in her gay marriage. And so we're going to hear a little bit more about how that all went down and what happened. And if you enjoy this show and want to support our podcast, just go to my website, platinggrace.com, and click on the Academy where you can become a member and support us by joining one of our tiered memberships. And once you're a member of the Academy, you'll become part of our unique online community and gain access to premium content and other special perks. But for now, Please enjoy my guest, Father Scott Nolan, as I dive into a deep dish discussion and we shoot the shiitake. Father Scott, now you're in a pretty bougie kind of area here. This East Grand Rapids is kind of old money. And did you know all of the struggles that you're going to be going into when you came into this parish? Uh, no, I did not. No, like, what, what no. did you think of this parish area when you were assigned? You know, I it, honestly, before uh, I became pastor here at St. Stephen, I had been to St. Stephen or to East Grand Rapids twice, maybe three times. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Muskegon, so 45 minutes away from Grand Rapids here. So is this the big city to you? Uh, not anymore. Now uh-huh. it feels like home. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've spent all six and a half, seven years of my priesthood in Grand Rapids. And at the time of this conversation, uh, you know, you were assigned to the parish. And did you know that you were going to have struggles with the LGBTQ community, the gay community? Uh, no. I, I, I mean, do, yeah. first of all, do you hate gay people? No. Okay. <laughs> so maybe I almost have to ask that question. What would be your personal versus your pastoral, or are they both the same thing, approach to when you talk to, you know, like say anyone who has same-sex attraction, who is gay? Sure. You know, I would say personal and pastoral are, are very similar in that regard, that it, I'm talking to a person, first and foremost, I'm talking to a person made in the image and likeness of God, and and a person who who God loves and who I love, and I may not know, or I may know, or I don't know, it depends on the person, of course, but, um, and and that's always the, the first approach, right, is to me, to me, like gay person or, or straight person or whatever is like, well, we're, we're people first. And then we have attractions or desires or actions second. And, and so to me, it's always like I'm approaching 
persons, I'm approaching people. And that sounds very technical. And obviously, it, that's kind of like the right answer. But when it comes to the reality of having to guide people who are gay, who are lesbians, who are part of this LGBT community that is becoming rather vocal, um, you know, when, when you asked the judge, Judge um, Sarah Smolinski, to, riff, to not come to communion anymore mm-hmm. or to present herself to communion. How did you do that? Like, what was the, the background? Did you know who she was? Did you know she was a lesbian? Uh, yeah, so I did, I did uh, know her and I knew her situation. She had been, um, has been very, you know, public about it and open about it. There was... What does that mean? Is she marching? Does she have she, flags? Is she kind of like a militant? She, um, not, I don't, I don't know if I'd describe her quite that way, but she... Um, did an article for the local uh, the local press M Live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called here, or maybe maybe it was the Grand Rapids Press um, a couple of years ago when she married her her now wife. Okay. Um, and and write up about it and her feelings about it and, and her desire that you know her church and her spouse's church, which I believe is the Methodist mm. church, would would recognize their marriage and. Um, so she got married Methodist. I think she just got married civilly. She just got married civilly. I, I think. Okay. I mean, like. I know Hate it's to say it, but getting yeah. married Methodist is the same as getting married civilly. Yeah, in yeah, a way, right. you know, so. Catholics have a very unique approach to marriage as a sacrament. Everything else is kind of civil. So yeah, yeah. So she got married whatever way you want, and and you knew about it because obviously it made the papers. I mean, for whatever reason, gay marriage is a big deal, mm-hmm. um, and it fine. You know, I mean, let me ask you this: Do you care that she got married civilly? I mean, in one sense, uh, in one sense, I do. Tell me why. Sure. You know, I, I think it's because um, as someone who uh, Sarah has been and her family have been um, active in the Catholic community and, and supportive of, of the Catholic Church for, for many years, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that as much because I'm still pretty young and, and new mm-hmm. to it. But, um, you know, that's what, what she says and other people say, and, and I believe it and I think it's true. And um, so for, for someone who who's born and, and raised Catholic to then do something that's like, we're, we're, it's very clear where the church stands. Mm-hmm. Why we stand there might not be quite so clear. Um, but where we stand, um, I think is, is abundantly clear mm-hmm. and, and to publicly contradict that and to publicly go against that, right. It, it, it confuses people and people don't always feel confused, right. I've said this to, to a few people, you know, here in, here in the parish, I'm like, yeah, it's confusing that some priests do this thing and other priests do another thing. Tell me, what do you mean? Which priests do what? Like, uh, well, like I tell people, um, I have told people when I know the situation well, when I've spoken to them, um, right? Like you shouldn't present yourself for communion because X, Y, Z or. So you've told other people not to present yourself to communion. Uh, rarely, but yes. Okay. Tell, Tell me about that because obviously there has been precedence in a way for, asking people not to present themselves. So tell me about that before we got to before we get to judge Sarah. Sure. So so obviously there are there are reasons in the Catholic Church why someone shouldn't be receiving communion mm-hmm. that that are public kinds of reasons. We know that there are lots of private ones, namely one's own like private sins, but there are also public ones, right? Like someone is divorced and remarried uh, outside the church and actually it was just the reading that we heard today on the sixth Sunday of ordinary time, mm-hmm. um, you know, about divorce and adultery and, and Jesus words there. And, yep. and we, need clear. To, we need to, <laughs> we need to wrestle with his words and not just say like, Oh, well, that's hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. Yes. The whole thing is hard. 
mm-hmm. uh, of the Christian Yeah, we life. don't worship a, a guy hanging on a tree for nothing. Right. I mean, he, and he tells us to carry that same cross. So, yeah, but who yeah. did you tell and tell me why? Um, uh, people who, uh, I guess without getting too specific about it, but people who, um, you know, ha- are divorced and remarried mm-hmm. uh, without without an annulment or, or, or who are married civilly without a desire mm-hmm. to be married by the church or um, like those are the two that, that come to mind, right? Or have said like, no, they've asked, can I receive communion? And I'm like, well, why are you asking me that? And, uh-huh. and as they explain the situation. So do you like kind of seek them out? Are you one of these guys is like, hey, I know your situation. No communion for you. No, I mean, no, I've never seeked people out for it yeah. or, or like I've never pried into people's lives. Or, okay. So then tell me how did this happen with the judge and obviously with the other people that you asked not to receive communion? Um, so others, uh, I guess I'll start there because those are, are further back in the past and not as known, right? Like we, they came or approached or asked me about it. And, and so I, then, and, I mean, like tell me who it was. It was, it was a, you, you mentioned they were a gay parent, some gay parents to a student in the school. Yeah. And they were coming to church regularly. No, no. Okay. Or, or at least not here. Not here. Yeah. I yeah. mean, is there a church in the area that's kind of like caters to the gay community? Uh, I would say that there's a there's a place in the community that caters to, to, I don't know what to call it because I, I dislike sort of the politicalized words, but the progressive Catholic, mm-hmm. you know, group. and that's in this diocese. Yeah, and, and and was this parish one of them before you came? Uh, I think per, it perhaps had been one. Okay, you know, so th- the pastor kind of set the tone. It's like all are welcome, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then you come in, young guy. I mean, ordained how many years? Uh, when I came, when I started here, I was ordained three years. My gosh. So you were a pastor for three years and you come in and that probably kind of freaked a lot of people out. Uh, yes and no. Actually, there were some people who loved it. They were like, great, a young priest. Oh yeah. You're a young guy. Bring a new perspective and and maybe some new energy and, Mm -hmm. you know, other people a little wary, like guys, a young guy. I remember being young and. Yeah. And so, I mean, you basically come in and you meet these people and immediately you, I don't know, how shall I say this? You made changes. And that's hard for people. Yeah. And so what were some of the changes? And then let's talk specifically about the situation at hand. Um, like, what were some of the changes that you made that probably set people off? <laughs> you know, you know, some of them are, uh, I inherited, um, when I began here, a, a project that was sort of underway, a, uh-huh. a renovation project for the church. Okay. Um, you know, and, and with with the leadership leadership team mm-hmm. uh, that I again that I inherited and, and who did a great job, I think. You know, we we kind of changed some changed direction on uh, how we were conceiving of the church renovation project. You know, the the how we'd been working on it previously had been a very um, kind of modern design that would have would have looked very modern and had kind of modern shapes and designs and such. Oh, and you made it more traditional. We did. Okay. So tradition meeting this progressive mentality. And then you then did something that was, wasn't really public. Cause I mean, I only read about you because of you asking the judge not to receive communion because she was in a same sex marriage. Yep. But before that you had asked another couple of a student, to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. How do you say that? I mean, like, I would love to hear how you do that because that's a tough thing to say, especially for a young priest. Hey, excuse me, for any priest. <laughs> yes, yes. It is a hard thing to say. And, um, you know, honestly, it just, I, I just said it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, because of... Did you, like, call them in? Did you call them up? 
did you? So I, with Judge Sarah, I called her up and said, this uh, is the situation. Okay. So with the judge, you called her. Yeah, I called okay. her and, and, you know, spoke to her and set a time and, and, um, and spoke to her on the phone and mm-hmm. said, look, you are, you're married in the state of Michigan. That, that's not what we believe marriage to be. And because of your public, um, you know, statement about that, you, you shouldn't be receiving communion in the Catholic Church. And how did that go? I mean, it, it went it, largely as one would expect. That uh-huh. it, it's that's a hard thing to hear. So I mean, before you gave her that phone call, before you dialed the number, were you kind of sweating bullets a little bit, or was this <laughs> like this does not matter to you? Do you have that strong of a backbone and a will? I you know I would say yes. I was sweating bullets a little bit. It took some time to pray before I called uh-huh. because the, honestly, someone who says like oh, I don't care that's not that's not a backbone. That's just not really feeling. Mm-hmm. to know that like and, and I expressed it to her on the phone I'm like look I know that this is hurtful for you or painful for you but this is this is what we believe and this is true um, and and that's a hard thing as a priest to say to people what was her response I mean she had a couple of questions for me and and then she said something about like what kind of questions would she ask you like she but, said does that well she has to clarify and does, so does that she said something like does that apply only to you, Father Scott? Like, you won't give me communion, but I could receive communion from someone else. Like, Got an extraordinary minister of communion. Okay. So I said, well, n- no, it's just, it, it's any, it's anybody. So um, you you deputed your extraordinary ministers not to give her communion? Well, I, I, it didn't get that far. Okay. So I didn't have to tell them what what we could or should do mm-hmm. in that situation. Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, she asked about that, and then uh, maybe there's another question that I've forgotten. Was she kind of... Um, how shall I say, argumentative? She was not. No, yeah, because no. you come, you don't sound argumentative. You seem like a pretty mild mannered kind of guy, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would no. She was not argumentative. She was, she was as she has always been in any conversation I've been in with her and and heard from anybody else. She was very polite and very direct um, uh, in in what she had to say. Okay. And and that's just that's just Judge Sarah Smolinski. She's very Was there any direct. anything else in that conversation worth noting before we say what happened at the end and how did it come to a conclusion? Sure. She you know the other thing that she said was um, was she just ex- tried to express a little bit uh, saying something like Father Scotty, I don't she didn't know how to express to me mm-hmm. like what words to use or image to use like what what this was like for her okay. to be told not to be receiving communion because that's this is to be honest with you this is a relatively new thing for people i mean in the past very few people received communion just because they didn't make their easter duty or they haven't gone to confession in a while so very few received communion in in the past and now everyone obviously receives communion and and you know as a catholic priest it's a good thing and a challenging thing at the same time you know because i don't know what all their personal lifestyles and sins are. I know mine. I know I don't deserve to receive communion regardless. I say with everyone else, I'm not worthy. Yep. But with her and it being so public, how did it become like a thing where we literally were watching you on the front page of newspapers and, I mean, excuse me, on news stories and, and reading about it in papers? You know, I, I, all I, all that I know exactly, I don't, I don't know the backstory of it is, um, the same reporter who did the article that I had mentioned, um, you know, in our Grand Rapids Press, MLive, mm-hmm. whichever one it was, um, a few years ago, uh, was the same reporter who interviewed her and the other woman who was, was on TV. So someone contacted... What other woman? There was a, a woman named Mickey Benz who was also 
um, interviewed at the same time as as Judge Sarah. Okay. By um, by the local the local news station. So the local news station and and, and the parents of the child, the, the the gay parents of the child, were they involved in any way? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. So um, you mentioned that there was a protest at some point at your church. Uh, tell me what 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 was this about? Sure. So. Um, there was a, there were a group a group of people who came uh, who came to Sunday mass wearing a lot of rainbow colored things whether it was a pin or clothes or whatever it was and sat together and um, uh, some of them are people that that I'd been that I had been uh, so the backstory of that they came to Sunday mass uh, to along with Judge Sarah on a Sunday to sort of protest or speak to um, like we believe that everyone should receive communion regardless of like sure. situation like you can't deny communion and um, whatever. So uh, the two things about that, one, some of them are people that I'd been in conversation with before who just disagree with, in part, who disagree with the church's teaching on, on marriage and in part on communion that it, right, that we actually say like, no, that you shouldn't be receiving for sure. reasons X, Y, Z or, or to be denied for um, denied communion. The other thing that... I mean, were they kind of loud about it? I mean, did they prevent people from coming into church? Nope, nope. They just kind of showed up, and they were just being a passive-aggressive protest. Correct. And how did you deal with that? Because I, I really want to get to know what you're going through in all of this. Yeah, you know, honestly, I mean, it was... Uh, I, I knew what was happening as I saw it. Like, I saw it, and I was like, I know what this is. Um, and, and in the moment, you know, it was... I was, uh, I was a bit anxious about... Okay, what's going to happen? Because I have no idea. Sure, of course. You know, and, and I'm celebrating Sunday Mass, and I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, is this going to be an aggressive kind of thing? Sure. Because that's happened before, or is it going to be, you know, a little more kind of so, passive? So, since the news is broken, what's been the fallout? First of all, have you gotten support from your bishop, and what did that look like? Yes, I have gotten support from the bishop. Um, it looked like a, a statement that he made publicly, um, supporting my actions and saying. Uh, uh, the diocese supports Father Nolan's actions. They were. Did you talk to regard. the bishop or anyone in the higher ups before you made this phone call to the judge? Yes, I've been in contact with the bishop um, over the number of months uh, a number prior of months to prior to that. Okay. Yes. Did you talk to the bishop prior to your asking the other couple of the school? I, I imagine they don't go to the school anymore. They do actually. Okay. They just don't go to communion. They don't go to church here. They don't go to church here, but they will go to the the child goes to the school. Yeah. Okay. Does that child? Let me ask you. Does the child feel like, oh God, my parents are in the news, or you know, is this? Her, yeah, her parents weren't really in the news. Okay. You know, and, but does the and child feel weird? I I don't pick that up. Okay. She's Good. actually a great. The child is a great kid. Yeah. And and we're really happy that 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 kid is in the school and. So you're not kicking. I mean, you didn't actually say you can't come to church. It was. We just ask you not to receive communion. Correct. Okay, so there's a big difference there. There is. And a lot of people don't realize that that's okay not to receive communion. Right, right. How about if she came up for a blessing? Great. So did you offer that as a kind of a suggestion? You know, I didn't, I didn't suggest you can come up for a blessing. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I either anticipated she already knows that or, um, or, or that that might feel like a slap in the face. So how many gay people do you know? I mean, without naming them, of course. Like, do you ha are you actually friends or have a relationship with anyone who is homosexual? Yes. Okay. So, and are you friends with them? Yeah. Okay. So you know that gay people exist? Yes. And do they, I mean, if, if they are Catholic, do they find you kind of like one of these traditionalists that's pushing them away? No. I would, well... 
No, I, I would say uh, there are some, we, we all know about it in the news, sure. who are very unhappy um, and feel like I'm the traditionalist who is pushing gay people away. Um, there are others, frankly, who are very happy with, with me saying, like, no, community and marriage mean something, and, and this is what they mean. And, and Has this divided why. your church? Uh, in some ways. Tell me. How? Uh, uh, you know, it, I think it's, for some people, they've, I, I think, I mean, they're not really telling me exactly all the time, but I think for some, they're like, that's not how I want to be Catholic. Like, that's not what they believe uh-huh. about, you know, being Catholic. Uh, and so they're like, I'm going to go somewhere else. And other people, you know, have said like, yeah, sure. We, either, either, yes, Father Scott, we're on board. We believe what the church believes. Thank you for taking a stand. Or there, was, there were a few people who said, Father Scott, I don't agree with what you did, and I don't agree with what they did. So Judge Sarah and, and others, mm-hmm. I don't agree with what they did. Like, but this is my parish, and I'm going to be here. Huh. Okay. I mean, I can imagine just as a young priest, or even any priest, no matter how seasoned of a priest they are, mm-hmm. that, that your, your heart must hurt a little bit. I kind of want to hear what you're feeling in all of this. Yeah. Um, definitely some of that, you know, some of that hurt, it's... No, no one gets, no man go, goes into the priesthood. Nobody goes into ministry um, to watch people like walk away or leave or be angry at us. Like that's that's not why any of us are here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's hope not. Well, let's hope not, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's not why I'm. That's not why I became a priest. Uh, like I became a priest to um, to celebrate the sacraments, to follow the call of of God in in my life and my heart. And I believe that he's, he was and is calling me to the priesthood. So if you could say something to the judge, what would you tell her right now? I mean, after several months have passed and, you know, you don't see her, maybe she's still quote unquote affiliated to a Catholic church, because I mean, once you're Catholic, you're always a Catholic, whether you practice or not is another story. Right. I mean, what would you like to tell her? Have you told her everything that you would like to have said? That's a good question. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what else I would, would say. I, I, the other, the only other thing that I would say that, that I didn't say in the phone call, I, I said it to her in a letter that I sent around Christmas time. Oh, um, so you sent her yes, Christmas a Christmas letter, uh, a little note on the feast of St. Stephen, which is December 26th. Sure. So uh, Christmas season, I guess. And just to, just to let her know that I'm praying for her, you know, and. It, okay. Like Nancy Pelosi prays for president Trump. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that the same kind of prayer? I mean, like, I, I, what, what, what do you pray for when you say, like, I, I prayed for you? What did you say to God about her? You know, I pray that um, that she comes to know the love of God in a new kind of way, and and the to love s- of God in a new kind of way. Yeah, to know that to know that she is loved by God, mm-hmm. uh, and and loved. For- but she, but she's gonna say, but I can't receive him. What do you say to that? I mean, I'm not taking yeah, yeah. her side. I'm just kind of, right. I know a lot of people are asking this question. It's like, oh, Danny, if some priest told me not to receive communion, like, F you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, right. because I almost see it as a right. Yes. Communion to many people is a right. Yeah. It's not a responsibility. It's no longer even a gift. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's there for their taking. Yeah. And that it's just not accurate. Right. But what do you have to do then? So what do you... What do you mean when you say to know the love of God in a new way? You know, to, to, to honestly to say, it's not um, my decision to tell her not to receive communion. Is not, it's not about me fundamentally. 
but about her public choice mm. and choices, I guess. And public choice. Like if she did not get married publicly mm-hmm. and, you know, she could have a partner, would that mean anything to you? Would you still seek her out and be like, hey, this is looking suspicious? I, I wouldn't. And some people might think that that sounds hypocritical, but the reality is I don't, I'm not here to pry into people's lives. I don't. Yeah. Their lives, they propelled their lives publicly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is, if a you saw one of your teachers marching in a gay parade, would you be like, wait a second, you I, no communion for you. <laughs> <laughs> I always really want to talk to him about it uh-huh. and find out what's going on and what does that mean? Okay. Um, and, and have that personal contact to say so what, what is this? do gay people do then to feel closer to the church i mean like we've got what do you do to make a gay person feel welcome you know uh that's a great question i think the first thing is is to to build uh good and holy friendships as as fellow catholics mm-hmm. so part of that is then with me part of that is with um uh organizations like courage that we have here in the diocese that are helping um, people who are gay to, to live that out, you know, in basically chase in a chase kind of way yeah. and, and to build holy friendships, you know, and, and maybe, maybe there's some ways in which, you know, as church, we're not, we're not as great at that as maybe we were once, or maybe we never were, I don't know, but, um, but to help people to build holy friendships, which if I'm honest, is frankly the same thing that priests do, right? Like we're, we choose to live a celibate life. And as I've said to people, like, celibacy can never be imposed but it can always be chosen and and i mean that like sort of be a healthy priest takes good friendships and and i think the same is true for anybody to be a healthy person takes good friendships yeah but not everyone's called to celibacy right but like some you're saying you're suggesting and obviously i'm asking you a question pretending like i don't know what the church teaches that if someone is homosexual then they are kind of imposed celibates there's a, a celibacy imposed on them it, it's a selfish that they can always choose. They don't have to. Uh-huh. Uh And and we we cer- certainly we know that. They- but if they don't choose it, just don't make it so public, so that it precludes them from like getting in the in the no communion for you spotlight. I mean, because I'm trying to think of the most practical ways mm-hmm. to suggest to people. I get it. You know, sexuality is a very powerful thing. But let's be honest with you. There are a lot of probably gay people in this world and they don't have sex anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just companions yeah. to each other. And that's in your opinion, or at least the church's teaching fine. Or wh- where would you stand with that? You know, I, I would, I would say two things. First, um, sexual relations outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have taught and have, as far as I know, we've always taught that, that that's not what the gift of sexuality is for. Mm-hmm. So sexual relations outside of marriage are things that we always need to be confessing and repenting of, right? And real repentance means I'm going to try not to do that. Yep. Uh, one. Two, when people make, as, as Bishop Statement said, right, no community of faith can sustain the public contradiction of its members, um, was in Bishop Alkoviak's statement of support of me. And part of what he's saying there, mm-hmm. I, I think, mm-hmm. is, um, is that uh, uh, when people make public statements of their belief about themselves, that contradict what we believe as Catholics. So in this example, um, it's that someone states that they are married to someone of the same sex, right? Which is contradicts what we believe as Catholics, mm-hmm. right? That's a public statement. 
And then public statements have public effects. What did you learn from all of this? I mean, this made you grow up your priesthood pretty dang quick. <laughs> yes, yes. It, I think one of the things that I've learned is, um, is to say that we don't always agree on things, but we still need to come to the table together. Uh, but they're going to say, but I'm not allowed to. You said no. <laughs> you, you built up a moral uh, altar rail against me. <laughs> I mean, because that's what they'll say. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I hear that, and we don't have to agree on on everything to say we want to try to do this together, mm-hmm. and we want to try to to follow God and to follow Jesus Christ together and be do it as Catholics. Have you learned something about the LGBTQ community that was I don't know that you didn't know before because of this experience? Have you met any more people? Have they come out of the work and be like, hey? I'm one of them too. I don't like you anymore. I mean, <laughs> like, like, I, I just want to hear how you're developing. Could you, could, Scott, Father Scott, we're priests, so we call each other by the... I called him yeah. many other things. I'm kidding with you. I've just <laughs> met the guy, to be honest with you. But you are too nice. You, you really are a nice guy. You were painted as this kind of rigid traditionalist, and you're hardly that. I, I greeted you. You did not have a cassock on, you know. I mean, you had a tab collar on, for God's sakes, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you are p- portrayed as a very rigid person is so exact opposite of meeting you personally. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you approached her in a in a way that maybe just caught her off guard. Who knows? But this didn't need to become so public. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It didn't need to become so public. And it public became and... super divisive. Yes. And it, in part because you think she may be, I mean, how did she, hmm, without kind of naming names here, but she, she probably got some advice from other priests. Possibly. Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. And other priests who are like, you should have protested or you should have done this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like even in the priesthood, there's a lot of division. Right, right. And it's real. And there is division in the priesthood and, you know, and, and it makes it, uh, it makes it confusing because there are priests uh, there are plenty of priests who who are happy and supportive of my actions who mm-hmm. have reached out to me to say that or what would you have done differently you know I think what I would have done differently um, that's a good question uh, I'm I, a professional yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding right and uh, uh, I think one of the things I would have done differently is to um, you know to uh, even leading up to this but in in, in things before that in other conversations with other parishioners and things of the parish, to, to do a better job of both uh, teaching, so like what do we believe and why? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that I think a lot of Catholics only know like the conclusions of our teaching and not the reasons for it. Would you invite her to dinner? Sure. What would you talk about? I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe the tigers a little bit, hopefully. And <laughs> you know, I mean, I I, th- I just think that one of the things that we all as a church have to learn is, and you mentioned it before, is developing relationships with people before we kind of come off. I mean, at one point, churches were never as big as they are. Even though your church isn't huge, it's big enough. Mm-hmm. And you know, people knew each other. There was more of a relationship that we had, and that makes all the difference in the world when you have to tell people bad news or when you have to admonish them because that's technically what you did. Yep. yep. I mean, you admonished um, the sin. So let me ask you, how do you love the sinner while hating the sin? I, I have such difficulty with people trying to answer that question. I just wanted to hear it from you. Sure. Um, and it is a, it is a hard question. 
uh, and I think it involves, you know, um, I think it, I think part of it is is just the example of of Jesus who admonished people uh, at at times in his ministry. There are other times he didn't, right? So he gives us this example of it's personal to who the person is that's in front of him as to how he approached them. Um, but but I think we want to say Jesus loved every person that he ever met or saw, and he, he loves every person everywhere, right? But um, but he loved every person he, he met and saw, and some of them he invited to something more. Um, and he did it not in spite of his love, but right because of it. Um, so how to do that in, in the real world, it is difficult. And some of the difficulty is that it's some things like marriage and communion can be divisive. And people just leave. They're, done, they're out of the conversation altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, or they don't want to have it or... Uh, whatever. So that makes it hard to say, like, well, how do I love someone I'm not around? And how does this change your priesthood? I mean, are you going to be, have you become more kind of stalwart in your position? Or are you be like, man, the next time I go to another parish, if I know somebody, I'm like, I'm just not going to even pay attention to. I mean, how does this affect you now in your future pastoral ministry? I, I think for me, it just, you know, the word compassion uh, and having studied like Latin and Greek and stuff in, in seminary, like I, I always go back to the word means to suffer with. Yep. And and having suffered with my parish and people in the midst of this division and making the national news and and all the junk that's that's come along with this, mm-hmm. to know that like yeah, it, it doesn't mean I'm gonna I'm gonna speak falsely to my people in the future. Have you lost any sleep because of this situation? Yeah. Yeah, how did your family take it? Because you come from a pretty strong Catholic family, right? I do. I do come from a pretty strong Catholic family. You know, honestly, that they were the right as everything was going in the news. That was the hardest. Those are the hardest phone calls for me to make. Where to call my family and say, "Hey, guys, I'm going to be in the news," and it's not a. It's not for. It's not for a good reason, or it's not for. It's not going to be um, like a fun, nice, pleasant. Yeah, like me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I beat Bobby Flay. I'm on the news. Yeah, it right. wasn't like that. It, it, it was really because you were, in a way, the cause of the controversy. Well, excuse me. No, you were the one who was part of the controversy. Yeah. She was perhaps the one who caused it by being so public in her marriage. You confronted it. You're both public people. Yeah. And it kind of exploded a little bit in, in everyone's faces. And uh, how are they now? Are they like, w- w- I mean, did your dad, I don't know, is he big, you know, Midwest kind of guy. He's <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even yeah, know how, yeah. how does this how right. does this happen in your family? Yeah, you know, um, my family and I and I have had some good conversations about it. Uh-huh. Uh, Did they all agree with you, or are they like, why don't you just shut up, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, my family's been um, very proud and supportive uh, in this and and all throughout my priesthood. Um, my, so, if you had someone who was gay in your family, how would you approach that? Um, I guess I would say that there is someone in my family who's gay, not immediate, but sure. a family. And that person is just part of the family. Yeah. Like it, in a sense, I, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but never, it's not something that we've had to approach a whole lot because this person is striving to, you know, live with the church and didn't do that for a number of years. But, you know. Do you tell your parishioners like the weekend after you were in the news, what was it like for you going up in front of your people? I mean. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, um, you know, it was hard. It was difficult. There was a lot of um, hurt and suffering, and I, that week. I can imagine a, a lot week, of sour I, faces. 
in uh, that congregation. But were there people he was like, yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, yeah, both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's some sour faces. There's some people who were like, Father Scott, I'm glad you're a priest. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was right around Thanksgiving weekend. So people were kind yes, of Yes, I remember <laughs> that season when we're supposed to be more joyful and it just kind of literally, it, it was it was a little bit unfortunate. I'm going to use this phrase. It was a shit storm. It was really just a whole bunch of things happening at the same time. Yep. I was actually praying for you and I actually reached out to you, which is yeah. kind of why we are talking now. Yeah, and I appreciate that. No, and I appreciate what you're trying to do. I just wish pe- more people could hear more of the story behind it. Sure. Is there anything else that you kind of want to share before I ask you one last question? <clears throat> you know, I the only other thing that I'd want to share is is just a um you know, just a recognition that um that all of all of the things that we do as Christians uh, I sort of relate it to some some saint or person holier than me. Uh, it's not hard necessarily. Uh, said that theology is best done on our knees, which means in real terms or practical terms, like we only come to know um, who Jesus is and then who we are, like in prayer and by taking time with Jesus and sitting with Scripture. And to me, that's a big invitation in the midst of all of this to say. For some people, it's just like harden their position one way or another, and for but for a lot of people that I've heard from and heard about, it's it's like whoa, wait a minute, huh? Where where do I stand with this, and what do I want to do with this? And maybe I can't do anything because I'm I, I live two states away, so I, I have nothing to do with Father Scott and Saint Stephen, and I have nothing to do with them. But but maybe I should take a closer look at my life, mm. and and I think that's a always the invitation for all of us. Usually I interview people who are not necessarily connected to the Catholic Church, and I ask them a question that kind of stuns them a little bit. I'm going to ask you the same question. It's going to make a lot of sense. How can I, as a Catholic priest, help you? I think, you know, I think this is a way that's helpful to just hear from, um, hear from me, to, to put, put me on your podcast, to, to continue to keep me in prayer and, and support, and, um, you know, to help me and and other priests or people who also are like, yeah, the, this is what the Catholic Church teaches, and I've promised my ordination to uphold that uh, to help us figure out how do we how do we live that? It's hard to do as we've as I've seen um, and others have seen, and and to help us to do that and to think about how do we tell people you you're Catholic, you're welcome here, uh, and and to mean that. When I come back, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to share with you my carry-out order, what I learned from my conversation with Father Scott Nolan, pastor of St. Stephen Church. Caught up in the middle of this controversy in a way, but he's coming out seemingly stronger than ever. So when we return, my carry-out order, Father Scott, thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you. And welcome back for my carryout order. Uh, I want to just say Father Scott Noland has got some guts, you know. I mean, he's a young priest, and he's a young pastor. And I'm grateful that he had the support of his bishop because right now, unfortunately, the church is entering into a very difficult time of coexisting with another important institution, namely the government. And a lot of people don't realize that there is a separation of church and state 
for a reason to protect the Catholic Church and also to make sure that there is not a supreme power because we admit that government has power, but the church has power also. And this provides a little bit of what we would just call a, a checks and balance. And as the Catholic Church can't tell the government what to do, the government can't tell the church what to do and what to believe. And, and we have to not only be informed citizens, we have to be informed Catholics. And I think one of the big struggles is that communion, as understood by many Catholics, is not a prize for the good. It is a sacrament for everyone, including sinners. However, a sinner has to come humbly and worthily before the sacrament and before receiving the sacrament has to kind of believe and profess and live what the Catholic Church teaches and believes and wants us to live. And, you know, we had more of a conversation between Father Scott and myself a little bit off the microphone. And, you know, first of all, I want to thank him for his courage in standing up for the Catholic faith. There are certainly many things he has learned and gained from this experience. And I think that he was very humble enough to admit that there could have been other things that could have been done, including maybe a more personal connection, especially since she's a public figure. And, you know, he's obviously a very public figure as the pastor. But there needs to be ways to tell people that communion is a public sign of agreeing with the Catholic Church's teachings about Jesus Christ. And that once you receive communion, you are entering into a communion not just with Christ himself, but with the body of Christ, who is the church. And unfortunately, this, this, this judge, uh, who is probably a very nice person and probably a very good person, was publicly making statements that said that the church, by her receiving communion and by her public marriage, that the church was agreeing with her gay marriage. And that can't happen as well. It's certainly a tricky situation that raises more questions, but these questions don't need to lead to a divorce. It needs to lead to a conversation, and a conversation always leads to conversion. But unfortunately, when it comes to faith and politics, we're all diverted from the facts about what Catholics believe, and that diversion is the same root word as divorce, and that happens in people's lives. They are, in a sense, divorced, diverted, from the truth of the Catholic faith. I mean, had honestly there been some sort of conversation and compromise between her as well as the new priest, excuse me, between her and the new pastor, who is still very much a, a youngish priest, there probably wouldn't have been as much of a scandal. And yep, I kind of waited to release this show just because I didn't want to add fuel to the fire, but I think, you know, we need to be able to look back at past issues and just find out what could we have done better, what could we have learned. And I think that's true for both sides of this particular issue. But I will say this. I will say that Father Nolan is a very humble man, and he was willing to learn. Could there have been better ways to approach this? Perhaps. But he did his best, and he did it with the right intention, which is always without malice and without judgment. And more importantly, he was doing it to uphold the Catholic Church's teachings about communion because it has been diminished by a lack of fervor and clarity when it comes to teaching <laughs> the faith. So this podcast certainly will cause more conversation, but I 
pray that it doesn't lead to diversion, but hopefully conversion and not a divorce from Christ who wants to unite himself to us. So I want to thank you for listening. And if you want to support this podcast and our efforts to bring conversions from our conversations, visit platinggrace.com. Click on Donate, or more importantly, be a part of our academy where you gain great access and premium content. And between now and the next time we shoot the shiitake, stay hungry. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seeing the rise in mindfulness meditation? but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary, to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app breadbox.